We're in a series entitled Emulate. Our goal and our focus this year as a church is for us to strive to look more like, act more like, think more like Jesus. Jesus is all right, isn't he? And if what would happen in this church and in this community, what would happen in families across our city, what would happen in our schools, what would happen in our businesses if we began, as Pastor Chach challenged us, to look more like Jesus. And so that's our journey that we're on this year at 1910. I know that that's not real big necessarily and something new, a new epiphany for us, but we just simply believe that if we'll be more like Jesus, things are going to change. They will. Um, uh, our country doesn't need another program to follow. We don't need to read another book. We just simply need to be more like Jesus. Are you with me tonight, today, church? And that's what we're on a journey for. Now, last week, we, we, we began, we're looking at some of the things what, that made Jesus tick. What was he like? What was he like? Last week, we looked at one song and we looked at one verse that gives us, I believe, one of, one of the greatest if there's, and I almost feel guilty saying it because I don't think one's great. He said that this was the greatest, actually love, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Through one little simple song that many of us have known our entire life, through one verse that many of us have seen or even quoted time and time again, we find a quality and an attribute about Jesus that we believe is worth emulating. Jesus loves. And if you zone out and take a nap for the next 25 minutes, that's okay. I want you to know this before you close those eyes. Jesus loves you. He loves you. And here's the deal. Because Jesus loves you and Jesus is in me, guess what you're going to get from me? you're going to get it as well. Is that all right? Jesus loves. Today, we look at another quality found in Jesus that, that I believe is also worth emulating. Now, now remember, we're looking at Jesus with, with the goal for us to begin imitating him. The goal is for us to begin looking more like him. The goal is for us to begin living more like him because we believe, as I said, that's what's going to change us. That's what's going to change the church. That's what's going to change our world. And so today we're going to look at this, this thing that Jesus did called serving. Jesus serves. Jesus Serves. In fact, the Bible has a great deal to say about servanthood because it was the central theme of the Bible's greatest servant, Jesus Christ, the greatest servant of all. In fact, you need to understand that true leadership is servanthood. And the greatest leader of all time is Jesus Christ. Men, if you today are in a search for what it means to be a great leader. I would simply say, I'm glad you're here because your search can end this morning. If you will just look to Jesus and if you will begin to serve as Jesus serves, here's the deal, you'll be great. You will. Is there any lady in this house that say, you know what, I don't think that I need any of that in our home. I don't think I need a man that, that, that carries this quality or attribute, Jason. In fact, I would just prefer a man that's got a big checkbook more than, no, no. 
the greatest leadership model that we have, the greatest person for us to emulate in this area of service is Jesus Christ himself. Christ's plan and and that which produces maximum blessing to the world and the church is this area, it's servanthood. You see, a servant is one who who even when in in a position of leadership, they they seek to lead others and influence other lives through, through giving of themselves in ministry for the blessing of others. You see, true greatness is is through meeting the needs of others. And as we're going to see today, Jesus came as a servant with a commitment to serve. Now, now, now just think about this for a moment. If he had come to be served, our redemption, our being made new, as we just sang, that could and would have never taken place. You know that, right? That's what sets our leader our savior or our king apart from other kings and leaders of history. You know that, right? You see, if, if he would not have come with the mindset, hey, I just want to come and, and, and be a servant. Most other kings come with the idea that I want to be served, right? Bow before me, right? Fall at my feet. Who may enter my presence, right? No, that wasn't the attitude of Jesus. And if he would have had that attitude, folks, I'm telling you, there would be no reason for us to sing a song today about being made new because we would not be made new. We still would be the old, pitiful, sorry, sinful people that the Bible says that we all were slash are without the hopes of being made new, without the hopes of redemption. And and likewise, our our failure to, to live as servants throws up this this huge barrier, I believe, to to effective ministry as people who are emulating and representing Jesus Christ. Now listen, Jesus was the visible representation during his day as to what God was like. When people looked at Jesus, when they heard Jesus, when they saw how he interacted with people in his day, they had an image of what God the Father was like. Today, you and I bear that image. You see, Christ lives within us and we are to emulate, we are to put him on display for others to see. So here's my question for you today. Have you made Jesus attractive to others this week? By looking at your life, by seeing how you conduct business, by by, by seeing how you interact with your family, by by the way that you coached kids on the, the football field, soccer, did people get a, were they attracted to our Jesus? Were they? You see, we bear that right. We bear that responsibility. For whatever reason, in the grand scheme of things, God thinks that you and I can resemble him today. And he's counting on us. In Mark chapter 10, verses 43 through 45, Jesus says, whoever wants to be great must become a what, church? A servant. I think I have that screen. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. And and he then gave his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. Were any of you in that category? Were any of you once held captive and hostage to, to, to this sinful world? Yes, we all were. 
And aren't we glad that we have a servant king that came to set us free? Somebody ought to shout glory right there. You see here in Mark chapter 10, there's something that's happening before Jesus quotes these, these words. You see, there's, Jesus is, is with some of his disciples and, and what we find is, is, is there is a jockeying for position as to who will be great in the kingdom that Jesus was going to establish. And we, we, we find two disciples, names of John and, and James and John, who, who they're, they're, they're wanting to set themselves up in place of honor and position. And they're, 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 they're asking Jesus if, if he would place one of them on the right hand and, and one on the left. And so, Lord Jesus, when you, when you establish your kingdom, people will, will see you, but man, we will be right there. We still battle that issue today, don't we, in our culture We want to be seen. We want to be known as the man or the woman. We do. We want people to look at us and to see us and and be great. In fact, these guys were were jockeying so much. You know what they did? They asked their mama to get involved in this discussion. They, they, They brought their mama to this discussion. Oh, Jesus, you're so great. My sons, they're awesome. What mom doesn't think that about their kids, right? And she, they bring mama into the picture to see if, if, if she could just, hey, mom, would you, would mom, would you go talk? That is not what real men do. Real men don't invite mama to go do their work for them. Real men don't look to mommy to take care of them. They, they, they initiate themselves, don't they? I wonder if I'm dressed right. I wonder what mom would think this morning. Anyway, whoever wants to be great, Jesus says. Whoever wants to lead, whoever wants to be first, he says here in Mark chapter 10, Jesus says must become a servant. And Jesus didn't just say these words, guys, listen, that was what he modeled. You see, Jesus didn't just sit up on a throne or or on a rock and and just say, hey, listen, here's some things that I think might be good for you guys. You guys should put this stuff into practice. That was not how he operated. He modeled that for them. That was his leadership model and service was it. He came to serve. Even in the Old Testament, long before Jesus ever shows up on the scene, We read like in Isaiah chapter 42 that he was chosen of God and his eternal purposes. God chose Jesus to be his servant. And he's therefore called the servant elect. Uh, uh, Accordingly, he was prophesied to be the servant of the Lord. And in Zechariah chapter three, verse eight, long before Jesus ever shows up on the scene, the Old Testament prophets foretold of his coming this servant king, this servant leader, not one who would rule with, a, with an, an iron fist, but a servant leader. And in the fullness of time, he came not to be ministered to like some monarch, but to minister as a servant under the law. His infancy in Egypt where, where the Israelites were enslaved was an emblem of that of that servile state that he was come into. 
And very early, we find in, in, in John chapter 4, Jesus declaring that even he understood that he needs to be about his father's business. It wasn't about his agenda and what he should set out to do. He said, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work that he started. What kept Jesus' engine going? Knowing that he was fulfilling and serving and being obedient to the calling of his father in heaven. You want some fuel in your tank this week? Do you need something this morning, Christian, to get your motor running? I'm telling you, serve somebody and see what happens to you. Hey, get the focus off of you and focus it on someone else and just see if that does not energize you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Awesome. About half of you, that's all right. The rest of you, you'll come along. It'll be great. You see, as a servant, Jesus, especially knowing that his father had work for him to do, Jesus had a lot of work to do. It must have been laborious for him, I'm sure. But this was not only in working miracles in which his father gave him to finish as demonstrations of his deity. The work didn't only include going about from place to place to to heal all manner of of diseases and and, and so doing good to, to other men. It wasn't just about that. His father's work wasn't only about preaching the gospel for for which he was qualified and sent and and thereby encouraging the soul of mankind. No, chiefly, we find in this one verse that Jesus' chief goal was to fulfill the law of God with his people. He understood why he was here. He wasn't here to be served. He was here to give himself as a ransom for many. And he served people. Now there's a problem because in our society today, many people view servanthood as a sign of weakness, don't they? Woe to me to place myself in that position where I am the servant. Our, 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 our motto in America is for, for greatness and our, our approach to that is, hey, listen, you, you need to have the closest parking spot to the building. If your name's on the parking curb, you've attained it. If, if you're the corner office or, or the top office, I'm telling you, that's greatness, isn't it? If, if you walk into a room and all rise, I mean, that is just a sign that you are the man or the woman in charge, right? And if, for those that aren't in those positions, a lot of times in our culture, this idea of becoming a servant is a sign of weakness. But yet from Jesus's perspective, servanthood is a badge of strength. It's a badge of strength. And I'm just telling you, it oftentimes requires more strength of character to serve others than to be served, doesn't it? Oftentimes, it's much more difficult to humble yourself and serve others than than to have them serve you. But Jesus always interacted with people. He always interacted with people from a position of strength. But listen, he exercised that strength not by dominating, but by serving. How did Jesus lead? He, he, he didn't seek honor. He extended it. 
He didn't crave respect. He gave it. Perhaps there's no greater passage that illustrates the source and the nature of the heart of a servant more than a story that we find in John chapter 13. Here in in, in the upper room on the night before his crucifixion, Jesus dramatically drives home this issue and nature of what it means to be a servant. Now, imagine the scene with me. All, All had been prepared for this last meal this last supper with the disciples with with the exception of one thing you see according to the custom of the day a servant with a basin of water and and a towel they, they would wash the feet of the guests who would walk down the dirty dusty roads there uh in that that region and upon coming to to someone's home the servant would be there to, to clean your, your, your feet, to, to clean your feet. Does anybody have that happen to them when you walk in your, your home at, no, you don't. But, 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 but in this scenario, in this night and in this location, this home where Jesus and his disciples are gathered. I mean, these, this is the original dream team hand-selected by Jesus, who would take the position of this servant and perform this normal task? I I can just see the disciples kind of looking around and, and you know, expecting someone else to do that. But never for a moment did, did they consider... Forget James and John. We already know they're jockeying to sit at the right and the left, right? They're they're just waiting for someone. Who's going to pick up the basin of water? Who's going to wash my feet? I I think many of them came to the front door and and, and, and they just stood there. And they're like, I I think they were just messed up. They didn't know how to react. No one there taking charge. (laughs) Then out of the blue, a, a, a perfect picture and a lesson of servanthood rises to the forefront. You see, we read in John chapter 13 that, that our Lord Jesus himself rose to this task of washing feet. He, he laid aside his outer garment. He, he put a towel around his waist. Scripture says that, that he took the basin of water and he began washing the feet of the disciples. Even the one who would betray him. Even the one who would sell him out for a few pieces of silver. All of this is so fitting analogy of of, of our Lord and Savior yielding his privileges and assuming the role of a slave. Look what it says beginning in verse 12 of John 13. After Jesus washed their feet, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You address me as teacher and master and, and rightly so, that is what I am. And so if I... The master and teacher washed your feet. You must now wash each other's feet. I've laid down a pattern for you. What I've done, you do. I'm only pointing out the obvious. (laughs) A servant is not ranked above his master. An employee doesn't give orders to the employer. If you understand what I'm telling you, act like it. And, And oh, by the way, live a blessed life. 
If you do what I've done for you, Jesus says, you will be blessed. What employee goes to the employer and, and tells him what to do? You see, in Jesus's grand scheme of things, there was no pecking order. There was not one that outranked the others. And in this final sermon, the final night of his time with his men here on earth, he's taking the moment for them to understand Jesus serves. The disciples tried to lead by fighting for honor and, and refusing to serve. <laughs> they, they hadn't yet learned how to find their identity in Christ. Jesus never fought for position of honor because you know why? His father had already showered him with honor. Is that enough for us? Is that enough for us? Or will we continue to, to fight for the applause of man? Oh, you're the man. Woo-hoo, you're great. Or hey, is it simply enough for our father in heaven to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Is that enough for you? You see, Jesus knew that his father in heaven was pleased with him. Regardless of even what his dream team thought at the moment or regardless of how people were gonna treat him in just the next several hours. And so in this moment, he is taking time to honor his disciples. You see, by washing the disciples' feet, Jesus lifted himself above the disciples. If the Messiah would stoop to to serve them, he was speaking volumes to them about their worth. I imagine after Jesus' resurrection and after his ascension, the disciples oftentimes probably reflected about this night. I'm sure they must have thought about it a hundred times in the amazement. They were amazed by the demonstration of respect that Jesus showed them. Without a doubt, knowing that Jesus loved and respected them, it must have somehow fueled their ability and desire to, to, for them to dedicate themselves to carrying out their mission. Jesus serves. Jesus serves. You see, he did not come just to make some changes in the ways of the world. He came to replace it. Jesus showed a different way to live. He showed this to to greedy people. He showed it to cruel people. He showed it to people with a lot of power. But he showed that a man could be humble, that he could love, and that he could serve other people. Jesus, the Son of God, the, the, the most high king, the, the, the Lord of lords, he never placed himself in a position above others. You see, he led by serving and he loved by serving. He washed feet. He fed thousands. He healed the sick. He walked to where they were and visited the dead. He stopped to touch and, and heal a sick woman. He spent time with those no one else cared to spend time with. Jesus serves. This attitude began at Bethlehem. You know that his very first night here on earth. He, he, he lay in a manger among animals. You know, a manger was, was, was an animal's uh, where he got his food. 
And he was like someone who, who did not deserve a, a proper house. But his greatest service of all has to be my redemption and yours. Out of all the stories we could list today and all the testimonies that I could ask you to stand up and, and share with us about times that, that Jesus served that you know of, the greatest story of all was the salvation for mankind. You see, for this was the ultimate work. This was the ultimate assignment given to him by God, his father. That this was the work which was before him when he came and this was the work that he finished. Did you hear that? It is finished. There is salvation. There is redemption in no other one. There, there is salvation, there is redemption and, and no other, you know, checking a box. There is salvation and redemption in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Are you with me today, church? And I'm so thankful that we have a savior that was a serving savior. And through his going to the cross on my behalf and yours, we, or he obtained for us eternal redemption. He's become the author of our salvation. Aren't you thankful that we have a Savior that not only loves, but he also serves? Are you thankful? And so, Father, today we want to thank you for being a servant. We want to thank you for just the reminder today and looking at your word, Father, where greatness is found. God, that, that to receive honor and, 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 and power is not about trying to elevate ourselves above others, but it's about lowering ourselves and stooping to wash feet. Jesus, thank you for this example. Thank you for showing us where greatness is. And may we become more like you. Amen.